Hello, post-show recaps audience. Mike Bloom here with a little bit of a different SNL podcast. Now, I know last time on the SNL podcast, uh, Rob and Rich gave a big farewell to the podcast at the end of 2016. Uh, We decided to resuscitate it, uh, albeit briefly, uh, to see what would happen if we changed it up a little bit with new hosts and a new format. So what you're about to hear is is a monthly recap of January 2017 in the world of SNL. So myself, Rich Tackenberg, and Rich's wife, Jen, talked about both the Felicity Jones episode and the Aziz Ansari episode as well. So you'll see we're doing something a little bit different. We're going over highlights, lowlights, MVPs, etc. So it's much more of a general talk. Uh, That being said, this is something that's very experimental. We're still working with the format. We're still trying to figure out if we want to do this on a recurring basis. So please, please, please make sure you let us know any feedback you have, whether you like the format, didn't like it, what you would change, etc. In addition to your always lovely feedback about your thoughts on the episode, Uh, you can always reach out to us on social media. I am at a Mike Bloom type. Rich is at Rich Tack, and if you want to include Rob Cesternino at Rob Cesternino as well, why the heck not? He he's gone, but certainly not forgotten. So SNL in January may be over, but we are just getting started here on the SNL recap. <laughs> Hey, it's Rich Tackenberg, and it's time to talk Saturday Night Live. We are back, we are plugged in, and we are going to be talking about the last two episodes of SNL, Felicity Jones and Aziz Ansari. And here to talk about it with me are not one but two co-hosts who I totally trust and can't wait to talk about SNL, Mike Bloom and Genevieve Melville. Hello, guys. Hey. Feeling nights and loose, Rich. Glad to be back. Yeah, this is my... um first podcast ever so i'm a little nervous this is great Rich, do you well, have any advice just uh always say that bobby moynihan was funny and everything else uh is is you know you can say what you want that's my advice to okay. you okay i don't yeah. have a catchphrase yet so you're good yeah so by way of introduction uh mike and i have done some snl podcasting in the past as as some of you may know and and you know him from many other uh many other uh podcasts and Jen and I have talked about every episode of Saturday Night Live for the last uh, many, many years as we have uh, we are long happily married and watch SNL together. And what I liked about this configuration is Mike and I are sort of SNL nerds. Uh, so, you know, I am the longtime nerd going back to the 80s. Mike is a, is a newer nerd, not going back as, as far as I. And while Jen has watched many in episodes, she is more of the mainstream user. She does not remember arcane facts uh, <laughs> that most normal people, yeah. uh, you know, or, should or not arcane remember. Fire. <laughs> exactly. Right, exactly. Right. So, uh, yeah. so what we like about this is it, it'll bring a little bit of sort of the normal perspective, the you know, to to the mix outside of sort of the geek perspective. So. We're going to do things a little bit differently. Instead of going through the two episodes chronologically, we're just going to sort of go around uh, and talk about sort of specific things that we liked, things that we didn't like, um, and wanted to kick it off with a, with a segment that I call 90 Minutes and 90 Seconds. Uh, I'm going to take Felicity Jones and sort of just give an overall opinion in 90 seconds or less what about sort of the, the Felicity Jones without getting into too many details, and then, uh, then we'll do the same for Aziz, and then we'll start talking about sketches. Work for you guys? 
Let's do it. Rich, I am I'm putting you on the clock right now. I'm going to start having a G.E. Smith and a Saturday Night Live band play you off once we get to 90 seconds. So perfect. You, better, perfect. you better take all the fantastic material that was contained within the Felicity Jones episode and cram it within a minute and a half. Exactly. Well, I think we'll have time to spare. So here, here's my 90-second download. We started with a really, really strong cold open, which we expected. We were all looking forward to Alec Baldwin. We got him back. He really killed it. And then I think we transitioned into one of the weaker episodes of the season. Poor Felicity Jones tried her hardest. I'm sure she's a great actress. Had I seen Star Wars, or had, had I seen the Stephen Hawking's movie, I could probably tell you specifics, but I can't. She's probably amazing at many things, but live television comedy is not one. It was a really tough monologue. I think we had a lot of really tough sketches. I think it was it was overall some interesting premises that never really delivered into actual sketches, uh, some really redundant stuff. Uh, for me, I would say the surprise highlight of the entire episode was a man I had never heard of, Sturgill Simpson, the musical guest, who killed it in two musical numbers uh, but the rest of it was uh, a lot of well-meaning pieces that did not equal a satisfying whole that's my that that's my general take on felicity jones anyone want to disagree with me i wouldn't necessarily say disagree i mean those of you out there that follow me on social media may know that i have a 100 percent completely objective completely correct ranking of the hosts so far on this season. And in the grand scheme of things, I believe Felicity Jones came in second from the bottom, uh, only above the abysmal Benedict Cumberbatch episode, below the John Cena episode. I do agree it was a little rough. I wouldn't say it was bad as much as it was to me unmemorable. I think, you know, in preparation for this podcast, looking back on that episode, there's just a lot that it didn't really out, stick out outright to me as like something horrendous. It was just something that I just really didn't remember. And it was either all right or below average. And sometimes in comedy, it's actually more egregious to be boring and unmemorable than it is to be bad. I can totally imagine, you know, if we go to the end of this season and we say, okay, name all 20 plus hosts off the top of your head. Felicity Jones will be the one that is always forgotten. I completely agree. She fell behind the scenes. It's clear, unlike someone like Cumberbatch, who was game, but the sketches might not necessarily have catered to him. Felicity Jones just seemed like that. this was not her right atmosphere, which is totally fine. Uh, they took a shot and they missed in this instance, in my opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. Jen, what, what did you think of the episode overall? Yeah, I agree with Mike. It was very sort of unremarkable. I think the thing that stood out to me actually um, was how nervous Felicity Jones was um, mm -hmm. during yep. the monologue. Yep. And it actually made me uncomfortable because I felt <laughs> nervous for her. And because it's live television, I was sort of waiting for some big mishap. But she, you know, had a very sort of stilted speech and nervous. And I think it just went up from there. It didn't, you know, it was not a home run by any means, but I think it sort of started weak and it sort of built up where it sort of ended um, sort of competently. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, let's jump forward seven days. Uh, Mike, let me give you 90 seconds. Give me your give me your take on Aziz Azari and Big Sean in 90 seconds starting now. Well, this is good because Aziz Ansari talks fast just like me. Uh, in my big rankings, Aziz Ansari is in that top tier. He's only number three behind Dave Chappelle and Tom Hanks. In my opinion, very strong episode. Uh, I think 
they might have benefited from the fact that a very historic event had occurred only one day prior in the inauguration of Donald Trump and the, also the uh, profound women's marches that occurred not only in the United States but from around the world. I think they mined a lot of potential out of that. Aziz, people remember him from Parks and Rec and his stand-up, but he's also a big sketch comedian. I don't know if you out there remember Human Giant, which was the yeah. sketch group on MTV that he was a part of with, uh, I believe, Rob Hubel and Paul Shear, who have all gone on to do things. So Aziz, for someone that you might imagine is just a stand-up at first, was very, very game in all his sketches. I would describe this show as very silly. Uh, the reason why I put this below Chappelle and Hanks is because I think they both those shows put forward much more solid sketches overall. Not to disparage Aziz on, at all, though, because nearly all of these sketches, to me, made me smile. Uh, none of them were really that solid and a great piece of satire. They were just silly and frothy and fun. Uh, Big Sean was certainly there. Uh, he was a little Felicity Jones-esque unmemorable to me, at least compared to Sturgill Simpson, but I think a very, very memorable episode, and I'm sure we're going to talk about, I'm assuming, many more hits from this episode than from the Felicity Jones episode. Minute and 28 seconds. Boy, you wow. hit the post Under on the that wire. one. Yeah, nice. yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I thought that I, the only thing I would do, I would just, I'm going to disagree with you on two points. And by the way, as we've, as I just, as I always say when we talk about SNL, we're not here to talk politics. I think that for the most part, we can evaluate, you know, the comedy of SNL, even when they get into political uh, arenas without getting into our beliefs on this. I actually think that this was a very strong episode, even regardless of the current events. I think mm -hmm. you knew the cold open was going to be sort of politically motivated. And then, other than a, a very sort of uh, evergreen piece about Kellyanne Conway, you really only had politics showing up in Weekend Update. And I think a lot of these pieces that were really fun sort of uh, were across the board fun regardless. I, I would say to you, you're right. I think a lot of these sketches were just very fun. I don't know if I would say they were the best sketches ever, but even in sketches that maybe went off the rails or were sort of odd in their premise, there was always something that I was more laughing than than wondering what I was doing watching the sketch how about you jen what was your your sort of takeaway yeah for me this was one of my favorite episodes of the season one of my favorite yep. shows um so and i really loved pretty much all the sketches i thought they were really strong um again i sometimes tend to sort of forget the rest of the season i'm sort of in the present as far as you know the last thing i watched so i don't always, as, as I said, sort of remember every episode, but this one really stood out to me as being very strong. And again, one of my favorites, I thought Aziz was great. Um, and I loved his monologue. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. And I, I actually think, I, again, I don't want to talk too much politics, especially before we go into the cold open discussion here, but I think Rich, you make a great point that sort of speaks towards what I've been really loving about season 42 in general so far. I mean, we're 12 hosts in, we're we're not you know seeing the finish line in uh in our mind's eye but we're sort of like we're at the last third of a mile but i think what this season has really benefited from is there there might be a political climate that some might consider some have even said in some articles this is the perfect time to mine for comedy but they're really relying on the fact that we can pump out material that's not dependent on the current political climate because it is so divisive. And as a result, even some of those biggest episodes, they're going to have political affiliated moments. But at the same time, there's going to be enough to them that's so strong that it could be aired, not, you know, not even at this time. It could be aired in 2018 or it could be aired in 2003 and would still be considered a home run. So I really have to give the, uh, the cast and the writers credit there.
Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. Well, so let's jump into the two episodes. I, I think we're just going to talk about the cold open specifically from each episode because they were such sort of big pieces, and then we're going to sort of jump around a little bit. Uh, so starting with Felicity Jones, we you know uh, you know Baldwin is back. We're very excited that he's you know back again to do Donald Trump. We really I wondered whether we would see uh, you know Alec Baldwin coming out of you know coming out of 2016 going into 2017. He is back. Obviously, it's going to be intermittently. But but he's here. Um, and before we were talking about the sketch itself, I thought this is not a, a political thing, but more of a comedic thing. I'm going to sort of throw this to Jen, because when we were watching it, Jen, you, you made an interesting observation about the impression of Donald Trump and Alex's impression and how they wrote it and how you felt that it had changed from the last time we saw him in 2016 coming into this. You want to sort of sort of sort of talk about that for a second? Yeah, um, last year we sort of saw the character of Trump, at least during the debates, as being the sort of belligerent, angry Trump. And, you know, politics, politics aside, I feel like that was just a stronger impression. Um, then during the transition, it turned into more of a um, kind of the clueless puppet. You know, he was sort of the, the clueless like Trump. Right, like Putin going behind his back and working with the uh, with the Secretary of State, uh, you know, while Putin, well, uh, he's worried about Vanity Fair. Exactly, exactly. Right. And I just didn't think it was as funny, and it didn't seem as it didn't sort of resonate um, as strongly for me. And then I, I feel like they sort of got back to um, sort of the again sort of that sinister Trump, which I just think is is funnier. And I just when I watch Alec Baldwin, he just seems to sort of relish that. And I think it's just way more fun to watch. And it's just funnier. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I thought this is this is Baldwin is built for that. And he's so much funnier when he's sort of being the jerk. And the thing I like is that when he's being sort of the, the character of the mean spirited jerk, then he can throw in little asides like when he was very upset with BuzzFeed because he took their quiz and he's a Joey, not a Rachel. He's a Rachel, not <laughs> right, a Joey. Right. It was just such a great like yeah. and that play that hits harder when the character is being an overt bully to the to everyone else in the scene. So I thought that they, they get a lot more uh, a mileage out of that. I just thought, and writing wise, I thought we just had so many funny lines in this. I thought it was such a standout of the season. It was really great. Such a long cold open too. I think it ran for like eight minutes, which yeah. is almost unheard of when it comes to cold opens, but there was a lot of stuff to mind. I mean, let's not forget something that might have been sprinkled in, I guess to say, throughout this uh, with, throughout this opening sketch, which was the release of, uh, or the, you know, the apparent leak, leak being the operative word, of some, um, <laughs> some other lewd activities that might have happened in Russia. I will not divulge any further. The internet is a cornucopia of information about things, both uh, proven and unproven. But I think, you know, SNL was able to make fun with that. I, I loved... Alec Baldwin is Donald Trump just constantly saying the PP for some reason the juvenile mind in my in my head just went for that but we even have you know we have Knox at the Trump kids we have Steve Harvey coming on uh, with the uh, HUD affiliation they go back to the the big table of folders so there was so much packed into mm -hmm. these eight minutes you yeah. like barely had a moment to breathe but I really enjoyed that as well which as you said in your recap which rich kind of sucks because you know we you take this exhilarating roller coaster ride through the cold open and then you suddenly get brought to like the slow rides at the kitty park for the rest of the Felicity Jones episode. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought there was you and I, Jen and I had talked about this that this cold open it really feels like it's about it's like three or four different sketches. It's the PP party sketch, then it's the uh, Cecily Strong coming on to talk about the uh, you know the the tax right. papers as a tax attorney. She was great. Oh, that was a look at these that. papers, all these pa- how can even <laughs> the papers, uh, all those, all those things. And then, you know, and then Steve Harvey shows up and then Vladimir Putin. So they, you're right. They packed this to the gills. Um, any other, any other standouts from this cold open for you guys? No, let's move east. Let's talk about uh, old Putin. Yeah. So then, so, uh, so now the, we go to the Z's and Zari cold open and now, you know, the main thing that we're seeing structurally is that Alec Baldwin is not going to do every week. Uh, you know, some have, have said maybe that he, that he probably shouldn't do every week. I disagree. I think I could see Alec Baldwin constantly. I just think it's so funny, but I was very happy, at least my opinion is I was very happy that in uh, doing a, a message from Vladimir Putin, we take, you know, Beck Bennett's sort of par- perennial uh, sidekick character and give him sort of a front and center, uh, you know, in a cold open. Uh, And I thought, while clearly not as as funny as as the sketch we just discussed, I thought it was a very solid piece of business. I thought it was really fun. What did you guys think? It's really interesting. And as, you know, big nerds as Rich and I am, I, I can't think of another time where you take a character from Weekend Update and bring them out to the sketch. Usually it's the other way around, mm-hmm. right? That's where Stefan originated. Right. But here we see Olya Pavlotsky make oh, an appearance. Right. I love that. But, but I think that makes sense, though, because, you know, if you have Russia being put in, you know, the mind's eye for the first time in a few years at least, you want to use your Russian character that you have in your wheelhouse. So I thought it was a, it was a fun use of her. Uh, I thought I completely agree with you that, you know, this is a, a nice creative way to do Trump without having Trump uh, there. I do feel it might have run a little one note sometimes because I think, you know, even when you see Putin there, you sort of know what the jokes are going to be. Right. That he keeps sort of insinuating that you're in fi- You're in good hands, implying you're in my hands. Uh, and you again speak towards the political implications about that completely separately from the comedy. But even though it was sort of one note, I still had fun with it. And Beck Bennett, it's it's not a completely accurate Val Vladimir Putin impression, but I can definitely let him slide on that because it's such an enjoyable character. Yeah, I love him as Putin, and I think it was, a, it was sort of a nice break from Alec Baldwin as Trump. I don't necessarily know we want to see it every week because I feel like it loses a little bit of the punch, but I loved him uh, as Putin and Kate McKinnon as Olya and when she, when, you know, Putin hands her the fish and she's like, you know, my pension. I mean, all of those things. There's so many fun one-liners that I love yeah. it. Oh, I agree. And, and uh, you know, I've talked about this before that I think often when we talk about mediocre episodes of Saturday Night Live, one of my requests is to often, you know, cross the streams and, and get two different SNL characters that live in their own universes in the same sketch and, and mix things up. So this was, you know, I think not to be taken for granted that while, yes, you've got two popular SNL characters that both live in Russia, as you said, Mike, it is very not SNL traditional to do something like this. And so I was super happy that they did. It might have come out of desperation, but whatever the motivation was, I think it was super great that we had two characters that as SNL characters we know and and love in different ways and to see them interacting together and see that their universes are in fact the same universe I thought was great. So I really encourage that. I hope we get to see more of that as the season continues. 
Cool. All right. So that gets us into the show. So I, what we want to do now is just sort of go around a little bit and just start talking about some of our, you know, some of the the sketches and the comedy pieces that we thought from these two shows really stood out. Uh, I think not a not a big surprise that this is really going to be talking about, uh, you know, pieces from the Aziz. Uh, so uh, let's, let's start talking about one of the first ones. Jen, I know that you and I both shared uh, a love of uh, of one of the sketches from the Aziz episode. Yeah. Uh, specifically what, what, what was your thoughts and and sort of tell us what what really stood out for you i loved la la land interrogation i thought oh. it was hilarious <laughs> so funny so great and yeah i loved um you know it's beck bennett cecily strong as police detectives interrogating aziz you know it turns out his crime is not loving the music of musical film la la land um you know they think it's the perfect film and i love how it's just sort of it's so absurd and it's sort of escalates as Aziz, you know, voices his complaints about the movie. Um, you know, how do you do a jazz movie without someone who's black, too many montages, all that stuff. And I think it was just, it was hilarious. Yeah, I, I, and well, this, this is the most ripped from the headline sketch they could have done. Forget everything else that was going on in the world because, uh, you know, Jen and I were laughing so hard. There was a specific, uh, I won't say argument, but debate that Jen and I had had about the movie when I had said, like, uh, like, uh, like, as he says, like, I just wish the singing could have been stronger. And Beck starts going, that's the point. The real people. We had that same fight. We had that same debate about about the movie so I thought it was so funny and I and to me I, I thought and we discussed this I thought the brilliance of it is not that he doesn't like the movie but that he only likes it he doesn't love it I right, thought that right. was so perfectly the done. lukewarm reaction and Cecily Strong and Beck Bennett just going crazy and sort of the over-the-top physical humor with sort of throwing the chair against the wall and you know pushing his face in the table it was just it was really funny. Yeah, it, remind, it reminded me of uh, the Bajancy sketch with Andrew Garfield from a few years ago, because I think in the eight day and age that we live in, there is a notion to be hyperbolic, especially when you go you know, onto message boards and people either say it's the best thing or it's the worst thing. And I think this is another great example of that. Of Like you guys said, it's not that he hated the movie. He just thought it was okay, but that's enough to send them over the edge. And if I'm speaking in like comedy terms, this was a fun mapping game as well uh, in terms of, you know, taking a police interrogation, but instead of it being a serious crime, it's him only thinking a movie is okay. And nice little button at the end there too, with uh, Keenan crapping a little bit on the end of Westworld. Yeah, and I love that because, as we always say, endings are the hardest part of sketches. And it was sort of like, where do you go from here? So I did not see that coming, that it, you know, instead of building on the La La Land, he sort of talks about how overhyped Westworld was. So that was that was a, a beautiful end. Yeah, and, and good on every – the acting in this was really fun. I thought everyone in this did a really fun job. It was a really good piece. By the way, just in the digital world, I will say because I uh, – my office did not watch SNL, but we were talking about La La Land. And I'm like, oh, I got to show you a funny sketch from SNL. And when the sketch is titled La La Land Interrogation on YouTube and Hulu and NBC.com, it really ruins like the first great joke of the sketch because you kind of know what it's going to be instead of as we watched it we're like what is this and and you know and that beautiful reveal that that's his crime that he didn't love la la land so uh 
Great. So, Mike, what about you? What what sort of has stood out for you? What was memorable for you in, in these last two episodes? I would argue one of the most viral pieces from this episode was Aziz Ansari's monologue. And I'm always a big fan of when stand-ups do monologues because, Rich, I know you've always been a, a longtime hater of the constant, let's have them sing a song, let's have them ask questions from the audience, let's have a random person come in and, and teach them what to do. We'll be talking about that type of thing very soon. But it was just Aziz with a mic, uh, and it wasn't even him doing his typical stand-up because, again, due to the timeliness of the piece, he was talking about, I think, the state of our country and the reactions to Trump's inauguration. I mean, I don't want to use the term hopeful to describe it, but it was very much in the same echo as Dave Chappelle in that it wasn't overtly negative at the same time i think it was sort of pointing out interesting flaws everywhere i wouldn't even say on both sides but i mean he had some great jokes throughout uh you know talking about um the chris brown comparison which actually warranted quite some salty statements from chris brown himself the whole thing about the lowercase kkk uh this idea about you know what why muslims are represented so badly it's because you know there's no good news to balance them out on tv of uh you know getting nacho cheese on your pants or you know them being uh portrayed in the media with the homeland music playing in the background and instead he uh he uses the benny hill music and then kind of hits a really interesting note at the end by him paraphrasing a George Bush speech. Again, speaking completely apolitical here, I thought it was a very nice piece overall because it really hit a lot of different levels that even stand-up monologues on SNL don't usually do. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was very strong. I don't think it was as strong as some of the bigger comedians who've hosted, but I think for me, I forget that Aziz was, not that I not that I literally forget that he's a stand-up, but I can't remember the last time I saw him do stand-up. I mean, now he's, you know, we watched his, you know, Netflix series and watched him on Parks and Recreation. Uh, I think the last time I saw him, he did a, a Netflix special that I will say was actually fairly mediocre. So it was really nice to see him come out and do this. And and I'll also, uh, you know, uh, you're right that, uh, you know, for a, for a kid who's 33 years old, when he's making fun of the Homeland music and he pretends to be a terrorist right, and, right. And, and he does the <laughs> yakety sax theme from Benny Hill, I was very impressed with that as a, as a comedic call out. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, and I liked sort of the um, the button at the end, too, because it had that sort of hopeful note that it was still slightly apolitical when he says something like, change doesn't sort of depend on who's president, change comes from angry people, sort of referring to the protest. I mean, I guess that is sort of political, but it sort of hit a more positive note, at least for, I'm sure, some people. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, it was a, a very strong monologue. They did a nice job. So um, so I'll, I'll go sort of, again, staying sort of current on the Aziz episode. Uh, as a guy who way back in the day had directed his college musical production of Chicago before the resurgence, before anybody knew what Chicago was, uh, I'm a, it's still one of my favorites in the world. And, uh, and, the, and the number Roxy, you know, Roxy Hart is one of my favorites. So when Kate McKinnon as Kellyanne Conway in the pre-tape piece starts breaking into, you know, their version of Conway instead of Roxy, 
I was over the moon about this. I thought that they did such a beautiful job of this. And she was hilarious. And the thing that was amazing is, for those who don't remember the the original song or the original musical as crazy uh, detailed as I do, Roxy Hart is a murderer who then realizes that she can actually use the murder of her husband uh, to make herself famous. And in SNL, they changed so few words to refer to Kellyanne Conway, which I thought was such an indictment that they actually didn't have to change much to really uh, to, to really sell this. I thought it was a really strong production value. It was really fun energy. She sang the song well. So I thought this was a, a real favorite of mine. I mean, as a musical theater as lover as well, I definitely have to... Uh to agree with you on those fronts. I mean, I'm going to invoke the more fun than funny uh, mm-hmm. uh, statement enough. in applying. Because I, yeah. I, I think, like, maybe maybe I wasn't analyzing the lyrics. Maybe I was focused on the production value, but I wasn't exactly laughing during this. It is an interesting sort of pivot on their Conway coverage, I guess, because I feel like for in those last few shows of 2016, they were really portraying Kelly and Conway as sort of a uh, having a buyer's remorse a little bit. You know, it was constantly her giving the one-liners about, like, you know, uh, Kellyanne, what are you feeling? It's like, oh, just the weight of the world on my shoulders. I felt like this is definitely a pivot from that, and I'm kind of excited about that because as funny as those lines were, I do feel like they were kind of hitting the same beat over and over again. So now that if they're showing Kellyanne Conway as someone who – now sort of knows exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. I feel like that's going to be much more fun to Kate to, for Kate to play overall. So I hope they continue down this path. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I agree. It's, it's sort of like with the Trump character, um, sort of evolving a bit. I like that the Kellyanne character is now sort of having more fun with it and her new role, having some power, instead of just being this exasperated aide behind the scenes. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. So good on them for the music video. We don't get enough of them. Let, let's go around one more time, I think, because there's, there's still a lot more to talk about. Jen, is there another another sketch you want to sort of call out as something that you particularly enjoyed? Yeah, I really I really liked Five Stars. Yes. Um, oh, this yeah. This was the Uber um, pre-tape with Aziz as the Uber passenger, Bobby as the Uber driver. And that idea that before they get in the car, they're both sort of checking out their ratings and uh, they're at, what, 3.9 or something, and they want to raise it to a 5.0. So it's just this sort of awkward conversation with trying to connect and not offend, but then kind of getting into this weird territory. I think Bobby says something like, what's your religion? And they both sort of realize, like, <laughs> we need to just back off from that. Um, and just going into talking about music and sort of going into the ideas of what, you know, our preconceptions of people um, and sort of the well-meaning but misguided attempts sometimes at connecting with people. I really like that. Um, and the mints, just even the name of the mints, <laughs> mouth help, just made me laugh. I thought that was hilarious. And the fact that they're wet and the, oh, yeah. everything and they're wet and dirty like and he's still trying. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to love a sketch that makes any sort of Black Mirror reference. So this one uh, had me over from halfway through, but it was so simple too it reminded me a little bit of that elizabeth banks episode when they had the sketch with mike o'brien with i don't know if that was an uber i think it might have been an uber yeah, uh, i think it was where, jen's uber was that what it was called yeah I yeah think? yeah, and yeah. Had, they had yes. to like she had to like follow him around town but maybe it's just because being in a car allows for much simpler comedy but i thought this was 
you know, very contained, very simple, but a lot of fun. There was a lot to mine out of it, as Jen just mentioned, and then punctuated with uh, Sergey and, and Aziz, <laughs> you know, becoming friends only for Sergey to then run him over outside of the club, <laughs> right, I think, right. is, uh, which is a perfect, yeah. again, another another perfect, perfect button ending. to end a sketch on. Yeah, and a lot of these sketches, or I say a lot, but some sometimes have a really good beginning, you know, an okay middle and not a great end. And I felt like, especially with this this one, it was like strong throughout, had a strong beginning, middle, and end. Um, I also want to call out sort of the shoulder rub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Bobby gives him a foot rub, and it was just kind oh. of got out of control. It was really good, yeah. Yeah, good one. And I love a, a great example <clears throat> of what you can do with no budget. I mean, you know, when you're writing sketches, whether live or pre-tape, I mean, this is a sketch that, you know, was probably sh- – that car was probably an SNL producer or, you know, production assistant's car that they shot it in. It was it was just – they did so, – so, so simple and so beautiful. It was really, really well done. Cool. Uh, how about you, Mike? What, g- give us one more from your plate of, of what you really liked. Sure. So I'm going to be uh, a little outside the box and not pick a sketch again. I'm going to go to Weekend Update, and I want to talk about Leslie Jones' piece on the Aziz mm. Ansari episode. Uh, now I think Leslie's actually been doing pretty well this season. Uh, Rich, I know you've complained in the past about the fact that Leslie and Pete in their stand-up bits on update usually kind of shoehorn in the piece of news to then just talk about whatever comedy that they want to. This week was a little bit of a stronger bridge. It was talking about the movie Hidden Figures. And again, it was sort of like the same thing with Aziz in terms of there was a lot more to this update uh, bit than I thought there was going to be initially. I did not expect a history lesson. And Leslie Jones might be one of the most interesting history teachers that I've ever experienced. <laughs> but it was it was cool because, you know, even if people are getting tired of the whole, like, Leslie Jones can't find a man because she's too aggressive thing, which is kind of her thing, admittedly, this is an opportunity for her to break outside of that. I mean, she's giving up all these facts about how black people invented the traffic light and the mailbox and it's fun too because she's able to build off riffs and pieces of comedy off of the mailbox off of the caller id this is not a leslie jones that we're used to seeing because leslie jones is usually very personal in her comedy so i was very excited for her to sort of step outside her comfort zone and succeed uh we did have the requisite colin jost uh, come on with the creamy slice oh. of provolone cheese uh <laughs> but you know it, more things change the more they stay the same but outside of that i really enjoyed her piece on update this past week and why do they need that? She's so good. That is for me is the Leslie Jones a boy moment of her piece that it's so it's it's positioned in the same place. It's always referring to, you know, something white and white bread. And I just feel like it's the crutch that she is so much better than needing. We could so mm-hmm. easily lose that and only the most vapid SNL fans will miss it. I because I, I agree. I thought it was a very strong piece, but that certainly always sticks out out as me as the crutch they don't need. So I'll sort of finish up with a piece that, uh, again, from the Aziz, I will preface this with, I know it's not the perfect sketch. I know that there are holes you could drive a truck through. 
Um, but the but the law firm of Broderick and oh, yeah. Gantz is so beautifully done. You know, it starts out where we think it's a simple. Uh, it's going to be a simple uh, premise of this law firm that has helped out everybody. Ex- you know, very well except for Aziz, and Aziz is the is the poor guy who didn't get helped, uh, didn't get the same uh, financial rumination as everyone else, and he's just realizing it. But instead of just sitting in that, what we actually use that as a launching point on to find out that uh, McKinnon's uh, Broderick is a fantastic lawyer, but my man Bobby as dance <laughs> is the hapless fool who doesn't know how to be a lawyer and in fact is only there because he gave his kidney to uh, Broderick's father. Uh, I thought this was beautifully done and, the, and uh, again, and the comic interplay between Aziz and Bobby was so good and remember they're on two different sound stages they're not even they're not even in the same physical space as each other and that stuff was great and I you know Bobby who you know I've pledged my undying love to is uh, he does more with simple reactions and looks than he has to do uh, that with necessarily with big lines I thought this was Definitely an imperfect sketch. I won't pretend otherwise, but still, I just thought in general, really, really fun. I know that there are some people outside of New York that don't like the New York insider jokes, but uh, this sketch immediately hooked me when they did the like off-brand Salino and Barnes uh, theme music. Anyone who lives in New York knows that 800-888-8888 jingle just plays nonstop if you keep the TV on all day. So I, th- I thought the sketch was going to start off kind of like that. I'm happy that it sort of pivoted to sort of become this uh, competent lawyer versus like ex- like worst end of the spectrum lawyer. And Aziz made a great straight man. I love watching Aziz and sorry just freak out in general. So I think he did a really great job here. Uh, I agree. Imperfect might have gone on a little too long. We might have seen too- one too many examples of Gans, you know, being a buffoon, but still a really fun sketch. Yeah, I loved it as well. Uh, it was one of my favorite sketches, and I felt like this was, yeah, Aziz is probably, I feel like this was his strongest one, his strongest um, sketch, and I kind of hope that this becomes a reoccurring <laughs> sketch. I <just laughs> really think it's funny, and it's always good to see Bobby, because I feel like in the Felicity episode, I didn't, we didn't see any of him. It was all sort of back, which I love him too, but this was sort of, it was nice to sort of get him back in this episode. Yeah, no, I agree. It's good to see him back. And the, the, I, I definitely think that while there's probably no actual comedy left to mind, uh, to mine, I still think SNL will bring this back with uh, with another host. I think that's an easy go to for them because they know that it works. So. So let's sort of switch gears now and let's just, we're each going to sort of talk about one sketch where we just were all scratching our heads wondering, what were they thinking? What the hell were they thinking? And and I'll start on this one. Uh, I, is, you know, we talk about how solid the Aziz episode was. Uh, just they hit on so many cylinders. Uh, and yet early on, right out of the monologue, we had our game show Beat the Bookworm. Uh, and and this for me was just a big, great premise. It was sort of like a win Ben Stein's money or the chase on GSN, where uh, where a regular person has to beat the uh, the nerd who is you know who is a trivia whiz in something, uh, and we you know we see all of the all of the categories that the nerd can play in, and then we get to. Uh, 90s pop culture and it just becomes this long weird I don't think great payoff of of Aziz going 
going, no, and just, no, I don't know that. And I loved the character. I thought the character was so funny, but it's so, like, once they said 90s pop culture, comedically the sketch ended because, it for me, it never evolved past Oh, of course a bookworm isn't going to know 90s pop culture. So if that is true, what else is true? And let's see where this is going to go to. And for me, it just never went anywhere. So uh, this was this was a really a big uh, boy for me. And Rich, when we watched it together, we at the beginning were laughing because we were sort of this the beginning was really funny and it had so much promise. And we were like, where is this going to go? And really excited and laughing. And then all of a sudden, it's just the laughter sort of stopped and we were sort of looking at each other like where what happened because it was it had a strong beginning they were laying a lot of track in that beginning though i mean they had that whole opening narration which yeah might have been fun but like then we get what like 30 seconds of aziz (laughs) freaking out i probably was more tolerant of the new than rich was uh just because i I love (laughs) aziz when he goes into that mode but yeah i felt like there was a lot of description and then not a lot of execution this could have made like a very easy blackout sketch and any sort of a uh, sketch show you may see also want to point out uh, mikey day taking the surprising game show host role i know that you guys were talking at the end of last year about like how he surprisingly has kind of stepped into uh, a, a major role other than featured player and this might be another indication of that including the the felicity jones sketch as well which i don't think we'll talk about of the uh, the old theater goer as well mikey day has made a pretty good impact for being just a featured player yeah no I, I not probably not as solid in these two episodes but overall has really sort of hit the ground running this season which has been great cool well mike how about you what, what sketch made made you uh left you wondering what were they thinking Let's do some jokey okey guys. Oh, I, I wanna, oh yeah. yeah. I want I want to talk was... about that ten to one sketch that aired during the Felicity Jones uh, episode, where it was a corporate retreat where they were doing quote unquote jokey okey, which is you know I'll pass you the microphone and you tell a joke, and it was a trio of Cecily Strong, Melissa Villasenor, and Felicity Jones, basically just telling really dirty jokes about being loose. I thought it was kind of funny the first time. I thought they were going to keep going with, you know, racy humor. And it ended up just sort of sticking along the same thing. Felicity Jones, we talked about her sort of lack of performance in this episode in general. She did not match up to the weird things that Cecily and Melissa were doing. So, you know, it was really odd to sort of group them together. And then it ends with this weird sort of maneuver where then everyone just gangs up on Mikey Day and calls him an asshole. And you have this random, like, Kate McKinnon character wearing a power suit just coming in and drunkly accosting them. It just, there was too much (laughs) going on. And it started, it was maybe funny for, like, 15 seconds when we heard Cecily's joke and the reaction to it. But then outside of that, it was a complete garbage sketch. Yeah, I agree that this was a tough, especially because I couldn't, and Jen and I talked about this, I couldn't quite get the sense on the first watching of, are we supposed to think the jokes are funny, but they're just too raunchy, or are they supposed to be unfunny jokes? And I don't think that they knew, it, so it, it felt, I, I really wasn't sure sort of where this was going, so I I, I couldn't even say it was a, a, a great idea that that just sort of didn't work. It was sort of, I'm not even sure what the idea actually was. Yeah, and it was interesting because the jokes were not that bad, actually. 
And so I kept thinking that if actually if the jokes were worse, it would have been funnier. So that's why I was I'm with you guys. I just didn't know what they, what they were going for. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, how about you, Jen? How about uh, where were you left? What were they thinking? Uh, my let's see on the in the uh, Felicity Jones episode during Weekend Update, um, Beck Bennett had oh. a character it was the pop sensation oh, and yeah. i didn't know oh. what this was yeah because it was sort of like i was trying to figure out is it that he's the lyrics are bad what is it and then it was like it's the sh um, songs are short and it just it felt like a character that was a work in progress and not totally fleshed out and maybe they premiered it too soon it was weird because I, I I had stepped out of the room the first time that I had watched Weekend Update. I was sort of like listening while I was doing something else. So I thought at first Beck Bennett was coming out as the artist Beck. And so I thought yeah. like, okay, is this some sort of commentary about Beck considering he's only been, he's been popular for like 20 years ago. But no, then it turns out that like Beck Bennett is this weird singing artist who produces – you know, uh, it's it's the whole like uh, six hundred songs of thirty second snippets. Uh, I feel like that's a trope that's been done so many times in comedies these days that I I do not think it was any sort of nouveau territory. Yeah, this is just a really really strange spot, and I completely agree with you, Jen. It felt it felt like a half baked character that they decided to just sort of put out and see what happened. Yeah, I feel like he Beck released his new hit single, A oh Boy, because it was just. <laughs> Holy smokes! And it and and if you didn't time it, this sketch, this piece, it went on for thirty-seven minutes. I didn't actually time it with a clock, but I think it was thirty-seven <laughs> right. minutes long. It was right. brutal. So Beck, uh, real MVP in in this episode, but uh, but uh, this was this was swing and a miss. This was a tough one. And hey, you know what? You got to take the chance. And I will say this: as much as I agree with everything you're saying. I'd rather see them try something like this and, in my opinion, really fail rather than us see Jacob the Bar Mitzvah boy for the 85th time. So uh, <laughs> I agree with that. I yeah, agree with that. Yeah. True. So, yeah, that's true. So let's do a, a last segment I wanted to do, which is, you know, we're always sort of, you know, I like to approach SNL from a glasses half full, uh, you know, perspective. Sometimes I approach it from the glasses one eighth full uh, and, and that happens. So here I just wanted to talk about just go around and sort of each of us sort of highlight a really fun moment in a memorable moment in an, in an otherwise forgettable sketch. Uh, something that sort of jumped out. And Jenna, I thought I'd maybe start with you because you and I sort of had a, a love for this maybe not great sketch. But uh, share share with everyone sort of, you know, what you thought was sort of a memorable moment uh, that, that that stuck out to you. Um, in the Felicity Jones episode, Beard Hunk. And while I did, I, I thought it was overall, you know, a decent sketch. Um, it was a little sort of one note and I felt like we had sort of seen this before, but sort of to jump what, to what I actually really liked about it, there was a moment um, with the beard hunk and Felicity Jones, and she's telling him the sob story about I'm lucky to be here. I was born eight months early, and I was in an incubator. You know, doctors spent millions of dollars to keep me alive, and I survived. Beard hunk says, "So what do you do now?" And she says, "I promote tea, iced tea on Instagram." <laughs> it was so fantastic. Was and I just, that just made me laugh. And I thought, you know what? I always, I'm going to remember that line for whatever reason. <laughs> I'm just going to remember that line. So I just, I really enjoyed that. 
And she delivered that line well for for someone who had a tough first uh, going as a host. She absolutely landed that line with sort of perfect pitch. It was really perfect. So what about you, Reg? What did you think? Uh, you know, for me, I think uh, going back to Felicity Jones, I, as as you said, Jen, early on, I think that the monologue itself uh, really showed her sort of nervousness and weakness and lack of maybe live performance, which which is understandable. Uh, but within this, we have this wonderful moment of of uh, alumni Tina Fey showing back up uh, in as a hologram, and I thought there were so many funny lines that she had in that little segment. Uh, you know. So talking about the episode and she's explaining how the president will say it's sad and overrated uh, and talking about how if Leslie Jones shows up angry and horny, that means the writers couldn't come up with an end of the sketch. Although my favorite thing is when she's talking to Felicity Jones and she's talking about the reviews and Felicity asks, does this show get reviewed? And Tina Fey says, yes, way too much which was a perfect for us the, yeah, part, a of, we're proud of, part of the problem i'm sure rob listened to the, watch that and he's like yep i agree <laughs> yes exactly so is that that was really for me really fun i thought that was a, yeah. a, a really fun cameo that was sorely needed and it was it was interesting because it was sort of this is the second time that Tina Fey's really like given encouragement because remember in the uh, the big uh, the big incoming of the you know Mike O'Brien Noel Wells John Milheiser gang that came about a couple of years ago I believe Tina Fey's monologue was also about like giving boot camp and like giving them advice and you know even in this sketch she has says like here's a hint if you go into a sketch and you say here's my friend Ray Ray I brought you to this baby shower you know that you're not the funny one I kind of wanted more <laughs> of that because I thought that was like really yeah. great stuff because you you mm-hmm. don't see a lot on snl the like comedy nerd kind of meta here's what snl sketches are usually like uh you know one example is like with the dave Chappelle uh breaking down you know the post the post sketch conference is like a great example of that so i, I wish they can do more things like that moving on yeah no i agree i agree love that love that how about you michael for you what was what was a memorable moment for you all right, so I'm going. I'm going to uh, sort of warp the definition here. I might not necessarily talk about a bright spot and otherwise uh, what might be a dull sketch, but this is certainly memorable because I think this might be the biggest viral moment of the Aziz Ansari episode outside of his monologue. Guys, I want to talk a little bit about this Obama tribute that happened at the end of the episode. And again, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface it by saying that this does not represent any of our opinions about the presidency of Barack Obama, nor anything else going on in Washington at the time. Guys, it's been like two weeks since the episode. I still cannot wrap my head around it. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it there's, there's just so many questions running through my head. I mean, I, I, I can definitely understand why people would find value in it. I think there are some people out there that, that might feel that they're in an emotional state where they, they really do want to rally behind someone like Barack Obama, that like giving them this very sincere farewell, farewell is very uh, is very heartworthy. And I think that, you know, SNL has had its times where it's been very sincere. I don't know if this was the way to do it. I, there have been a lot of people since that episode that have said, like, where was the joke? I, I think that, you know, SNL, to my knowledge, and Rich, correct me here, has never really sent off you know, an outgoing president like that with, you know, just a picture in the background and a song. There's no joke. There's no funny moment. There's not even like a little turn. They didn't change the lyrics at all. It was just, it was a like legitimate heartfelt song to somebody, which is fine. I'm totally okay with that. It just, 
I don't know. I, I don't know if I want that in a comedy show. Polit- politics aside, it's it's weird to me that you know they had I forget his name, but they had an, a, a former cast member pass away the week before, and they had a, you Tony know, Rosado. A, yeah, yeah, Tony Rosado. They had an, a memoriam card. And to have the president of the United States get more of a fanfare on SNL than one of their former cast members, I don't know, some, something about that rings weird to me personally. Yeah, I consider this this segment to serve with confusion because I, I don't know I don't know what they were going for. I don't know what they were delivering. I mean, you know, I I think that we have you know I have in the past discussed my questionable the question of the decision to do some very heartfelt pieces uh, like when uh, Kate McKinnon as Hillary sang Hallelujah. Whatever you thought or didn't think about the choice to do it, it was well done. You know. So Cecily Strong opening one of the episodes after the Paris bombing, just speaking to America in French, whatever you think, I think we could all probably agree that that was a very beautiful moment and it was well done. This was, it felt like a not well done moment that I don't totally understand what they were going for. So it was a, it was a, a real head scratcher for me. I was, like you said, I was waiting for the joke because the execution was not so wonderfully moving and executed so well and sung so beautifully. Uh, I didn't think that, I think Kate and Cecily normally, I'm sorry, um, uh, Cecily and um, uh, Sashir normally sing very well. This, uh, this I felt like they just didn't have the pipes. Now, I don't know if you're both going to yell at me. That was the point. It was supposed to be regular people breaking into They're regular into people. Yeah. I'm smashing but, uh, a chalkboard right now in response exactly, to that. Exactly, exactly. But, but for me, I I definitely was sort of, as you said, scratching my head going, I, I don't know why. And if you're not going to kill it, you're really putting yourself out there when you are, in effect, making a political statement and not uh, and not hitting a home run. I think I was a little distracted because I was waiting for like the twist or the change in the lyrics or some sort of take on it. Um, and that never that never came. So I was I was a little confused, too. And I felt like um, if we're sort of going to compare, I felt um that the sort of the Hillary Hallelujah um performance definitely sort of struck a chord. This didn't. All right. Well, those are the episodes. I think we're all sort of in agreement, sort of, you know, I was going to pose the question, who is the MVP of the Felicity Jones episode? Uh, I think I speak for the group today when I say Beck Bennett. I think he was in more sketches than anyone else combined. And really, uh, you know, as both the straight man and the, and as the comedy uh, did did a really nice job this, this week. Yeah. I mean, if, if we, if we like run down like the quick list of things that I did, I mean, outside of that weird character that we talked about on update, uh, uh, in the, you know, Mikey Day is the old man performance, he did a great job with him and Kate as trying to be the serious theater actor. Uh, there was that really interesting sketch with the, uh, you know, him and Kyle Mooney and Felicity Jones doing the, like, American Pie robot movie that they feel speaks to politics. I thought he did a, a fun job with that as well. He was Beard Hunk. He was the prince in the, uh, the, the you know, the curse that Felicity Jones, what, like, gained 10 pounds uh, when the full moon came out. So Beck Bennett was all over the place. I think you and Rob talked about that when Taryn Killam left, would Beck kind of fill this spot of sort of like the everyman? And I think the question is unequivocally yes at the moment. 
Yeah, I I think that he uh, he does the straight man maybe better than the character. I liked him, uh, you know, as the prince who's uh, you know befuddled by her gaining fifteen pounds and like, oh, your friends tell you you look good. I, I don't know if I thought he is necessarily as strong as like in the Fandango interview. Uh, I don't know that he uh, plays as well, sort of the the the, the crazy one, uh, but but certainly is is you know earned his spot as as MVP for this particular yeah, episode absolutely. uh you know and then looking at aziz I, I think you know you know i think you you could make an argument uh for um for kate mckinnon uh you know doing well but i i i, I will put it out there and you guys tell me what you think uh, for me this was such a wonderful return of my man bobby i <laughs> thought bobby moynihan just killed it in this episode yeah i i agree as well and i think it's also kate mckinnon is in my opinion, the strongest cast member that's on the show right now. And, you know, she's been in every episode. Uh, maybe we're, I want to give it to Bobby because he was not in the first episode, as you mentioned. So because he had like a big burst of airtime. And I mean, two of the things that we highlighted, uh, the the five star and then the law firm were both Bobby vehicles. Literally, he was driving a, ve- a vehicle in one of them. So I, I want to give it to him, too. And, and I would say the the power of Bobby as a performer for me is watch the Pizza Town sketch and just watch him play the <laughs> yes. drums as yes. the chef. Not even when he's featured, just him in the background yeah, playing the drums. If I could make that an animated GIF, that would be my new avatar <laughs> on Twitter. That was so perfect. If if I uh, if I went back to like the definition, your first definition of the memorable moment, and pick you know a highlight of a sketch that maybe was not great, it would it would be that freaking pizza song uh, because <laughs> right. I, I, it wasn't yes. good. But I swear to God, for the whole week after the episode there, it's I'm stuck in your the, head. Right, I'm on the subway going, I want some pizza, pizza. I want some oh. pizza pie. It just it oh. will not leave my head. Yes, exactly. So. Uh, so looking forward to February, very excited. February 11th, Alec Baldwin is going to come back, setting the world record for hosting the show. Uh, you know, obviously we're going to see a lot of Trump. Ed Sheeran, who I personally am a huge fan of, uh, is going to be hosting. So February 11th going to be a very powerful episode. Unfortunately, between here and February 11th, we have Kristen Stewart hosting on February 4th. So um, I talked before about somehow referring to SNL as the glass is one-eighth full. Um, I think for me, uh, maybe you guys feel differently. My expectations could not be lower. I wish I could say I was a Kristen Stewart fan. Uh, I, I am not. And I, and I really wonder how that is going to go. Anyone want to disagree with me on that? How they see the uh, Kristen Stewart episode going? Yeah, well, she's not really known for comedy Ugh. or smiling. Um, or un- for that she's, known, she's known for unintentional comedy. Unintentional comedy, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I will say that I think you know she has had kind of a career renaissance in the past couple of years post Twilight. I know she was in a couple of critically lauded uh, film roles, so you know I don't think she is walking in there she's not doing like the january jones like totally just dead in the water doa to snl i think there's a chance she might be able to surprise us i'm still gonna keep expectations low though because i wonder as well you know snl couldn't figure out what to do with felicity jones i have no idea if they're gonna know what to do with kristen stewart yeah well maybe she'll make a good straight man who knows 
Well, I hope that she, I hope that she does what some hosts smartly do, which is say, "I'm not the funny one. Build the show around me." I think she's going to bring the comedic skills of Felicity Jones with the hot mess of Miley Cyrus hosting. Without, <laughs> but where Miley Cyrus actually is often quite funny, but I think we're going to get that those combined. So, uh, so uh, buckle up, and and as always. I hope I'm wrong. I want a great episode. <laughs> I'll be watching to the bitter end, so I hope I'm wrong. But yeah. but Alec Baldwin, I think we uh, we're all probably pretty excited yeah, about that's going to be that's going to be a really good episode. So I, I, part part of me kind of wants like I feel like if Andy Kaufman was still alive and maybe he still might be. I don't know if the conspiracy theories are true. I feel like <laughs> if Andy Kaufman was in the same situation as Alec Baldwin right now, he would do the entirety of SNL as Donald Trump. And if Alec Baldwin actually <laughs> right. did that. I would like stand up and physically applaud him for the entire 90 minutes. Cause I think that is an amazing idea. I do wonder like what, like how, you know, what percent increase are we going to see in Trump stuff with Alec Baldwin being on? I'm not entirely sure since Alec Baldwin has been plentiful in this season so far, but I mean, he, all around, he's a great performer. So I'm sure even outside of the political stuff that they do, it's going to be a great show. Yeah, you're going to get a Tony Bennett. You're going to get, I mean, we're going to, I think you're, I think we're going to get a long cold open and maybe he shows up once more as Trump, but I bet not. I mean, you know, as much as we're, we all talk about how great he is at Trump, Baldwin could have been a cast member of Saturday Night Live. He's that good and he will bring a lot of really good. And by the way, I also think that's going to be an alumni, uh, you know, we're going to see alumni, we're going to see famous ex-hosts. I don't think that they will let the fact that uh, that this is he is now the most hosted, uh, you know, guest host in Saturday Night Live history go without some alumni showing up to, to, to or, or not, or host alumni to, to call that out. So that should be really fun. Well, that's it. That's SNL. That's January. January's in the can. Let's see what happens in January, in February. We're doing this as sort of one-offs just to see what happens to play, to play around a little bit, break some format, do some less regular podcasting. But this has been super fun. Thank you, Mike, for being here. Yeah, it was great you. to do this with you again. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me on. You know, I'll talk SNL any day of the week. So I was more than happy to come on and talk with you and Jen about it. That being said, as Rich said, I think this is a format that we are experimenting with a little bit, you know, like SNL sending out a Beck Bennett to talk and weekend update. Uh, Let us know if you liked it, which parts you like, which parts you didn't like. If you like the format as well, I know it's a little bit of a breaking tradition than from what Rich and Rob usually did, but uh, new year, new, new us, I guess. And uh, we hope that, you know, depending on your feedback, hopefully we'll be able to bring you, we'll see what happens whether it be monthly installments end of season what have you this is a show that i hold near and dear to my heart so no matter no matter whether we're talking about it or just watching i'm very excited to see what comes in february and beyond as well yeah and jen thank you so much for doing this with us tonight the the big danger for me of having jen on the show mike is that i'm usually taking very insightful things that she says when we watch the show <laughs> and pawning it off as my yes. own brilliant insights your, your so now Cyrano I, has been exposed in exactly <laughs> so now i now i have to actually sort of start carrying my own water on the show but it was, it was so fun to bring sort of our couch dialogue onto the mic which was super helpful well thank you for letting me be part of it with you guys as the experts and sort of the casual viewer weighing in yeah it was good good all right that's it everyone let us know what you think and uh, hopefully we'll be back to talk about the uh, february shows and uh, and keep uh, keep talking saturday night live so uh 
Till then, thank you to Lauren. Thank you to the writers. This has been the best week of my life. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hey!